You are Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to another episode of Locked On Ravens. I am your host, Kevin Ostriker of Ravens Wire, and we are back with another Purple Friday episode and returning to the podcast is Matthew Stevens of Ravens Wire. Matthew, how are you doing today? Doing a little bit better now, man. It's been it's been lo- enough time since the loss, so I can uh, yeah, I can get over it a little better. Yeah, that that's my mindset too, and it was really nice to see the players having fun at the Pro Bowl, and I think everybody's past you know that stage of grief. And while it still hurts a little bit, it's a lot better than it was two weeks ago. But that's where I want to start, Matthew, with the Pro Bowl. But before we get into that, I want to talk about the football that our friends at Nyko Sports have. It's a great-looking football commemorating the amazing record-breaking season from Lamar Jackson. The football includes the rushing record he broke and the two perfect passer rating games he had this season. And I can really keep going on and on about the records he broke there are so many of them and they're all going to be represented on the football it's only $99 and they're a limited edition they're only 5,000 in stock so you have to call 1-800-345-2868 right away and so they're selling like crazy so just call that number it's 1-800-345-2868 you can also order online at nikosports.com that's n-i-k-c-o sports.com make sure you mention the locked on podcast so they know where you got it from but Matthew, I know that you have to take the results in the Pro Bowl with a huge grain of salt because the tackling is virtually non-existent and people are just out there having fun. But it really seemed like Baltimore was out there having fun and being confident. Was there anything that you saw that gave you hope for the future in the Pro Bowl? Well, I think some of the biggest hope was the fact that Baltimore's offensive players did really well in the Pro Bowl. Uh, Mark Ingram led all players in terms of rushing yards. Now, granted, it's the Pro Bowl, so... That was a a massive five attempts for 31 yards. Uh, But that's kind of, you know, that's nice to see. Lamar Jackson won the MVP, 16 of 23, 185 yards through the air, two touchdowns, one interception, 104.4 quarterback rating. Uh, And then Mark Andrews did what he did all season long, which was be uh, Lamar Jackson's biggest target, nine receptions, 73 yards, a touchdown. So it was nice seeing those guys kind of show up in a game that, like you mentioned, while it, it... Tackling is kind of uh, an illusion, uh, and maybe guys aren't necessarily trying as hard as they could be. It's nice to see that the the Baltimore Ravens players kind of showed up in a big way when you're talking about the league's best players. That's that's kind of cool. It gives you hope for next season that uh, they, they really do have a really good young core on this team and, and one that did exceptionally well in the Pro Bowl. Yeah, and you mentioned the players doing well in the Pro Bowl. Another key factor in that, you know, for me at least, was the fact that the Ravens coaches were there coaching up the AFC team. And it was great in my eyes that Lamar Jackson and the rest of this Ravens young core, as you mentioned, could share this experience, which was for most their first Pro Bowl. Now, the veterans like Marshall Yonda and Earl Thomas have been there before, Mark Ingram as well. But you have guys who were experiencing it for the first time with the coaching staff that was there for them all season. And it didn't hurt that they were there as well, maybe talking up some some potential stars that if maybe they're cap casualties or trades free agents, they could maybe have the upper edge there. How important was that for the Ravens to have their coaching staff there, whether it be for their players or even potential free agents? 
Well, I think it's always nice for the players to go into uh, a game like the Pro Bowl with their own guy. Yeah, they they know what practice is going to be like, and to a certain degree, it's 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 like one of those team building exercises you see like on the office and stuff like that. Hopefully, not maybe that awful, but uh, it's a chance for them to kind of have a good time with their coach to to build up a little bit more of a rapport, uh, and that stuff does matter come next season when you when you have the trust in your coach. Those things totally matter, and then. The flip side of it, as you mentioned, is John Harbaugh got a chance to maybe rub elbows with some guys who are pending free agents. And while you know you, you have to put the caveat in that there's no tampering because that's that's illegal in NFL uh, at this point, it is an opportunity to maybe kind of go like, hey, well, maybe we'll sit down and talk at some point this uh, offseason. Or, hey, man, Baltimore's a really nice city. I think you'd like it. Or, ah, oh, man, how much you enjoy playing with Lamar Jackson. That's amazing. Oh, well, you are a free agent. You know, you could do stupid little things like that, that hopefully when free agency actually starts, those guys remember and go, oh, man, I had a really good time with you as a coach. I had a really good time with a bunch of your players. I think that's a spot that I think I would fit in well with. And maybe, maybe knock on some wood, you see some uh, pending free agents that, you know, call up Baltimore and say, hey, I want to be with you guys. And maybe I'll take a little bit less than, you know, a team like Cleveland or Indianapolis or or various uh, various other different franchises uh, simply because it's uh, you, you have a rapport with them again. Yeah, I'm right there with you. And speaking of pending free agents, Matthew Judon is arguably the biggest free agent that Baltimore has at this point. The Ravens obviously already secured Marcus Peters as he signed a three or $42 million extension. But Judon was a key piece to the Ravens pass rushing unit in 2019. He had nine and a half sacks, which was a career high for him. But there have been some rumors out there and some speculation that the Ravens could potentially tag and trade Matthew Judon. Now, of course, none of this is, you know, true. It's just a speculation. But based off of what you've seen and what you've read and, you know, even what you've written, how real is this possibility? And do you think Baltimore would consider it? Well, I I think Baltimore has to consider it. I think whenever you're talking about a player that could potentially be a franchise player like Matthew Judon, those guys get a lot of attention if you start dangling them out there. Now, what that actual value is will will remain to be seen, but Baltimore undoubtedly is going to get some phone calls from the NFL going, hey, you guys would be interested in uh, trading them? If it's a first, if it's a second-round pick, maybe you go, "Eh, okay. Uh, I think the big caveat, which is something that I've written about, is, I I mean, Baltimore might not necessarily have the space, the the, the cap space or or the – the desire to sign a guy like Matthew Judon to probably what is going to be a really high-end deal. I mean, you look at what Zedaria Smith got last year, arguably a, a more well-rounded player, a better player overall, certainly showed it this year with the Green Bay Packers. Uh, if they weren't willing to hand him that type of money last year, Matthew Judon, you kind of look at that situation and go, well, are they going to be willing to hand him more? Uh, because if I'm Matthew Judon, that's that's where my starting point is, is I'm not taking anything less than what Zedaria Smith got. Uh, and and certainly that that's his prerogative. But if Baltimore feels like, hey, I, we're not going to be able to afford him or I'm not going to want to afford him at 17, 18, 19 million dollars a year. Uh, let's get something for him, because as we saw with Zedaria Smith and Terrell Suggs and C.J. Mosley, you can't really count on the compensatory pick formula to always return back a solid pick uh, for that. And, and Baltimore got bit with that this off season or this year into this draft. If Baltimore is going to be a buyer at all this off season, which they do have enough cap space to do, 
they could they could potentially wipe out a third round comp pick if they let Judon walk versus if they trade him, they could potentially get a second or a third that doesn't factor into the comp pick formula and ultimately it doesn't really much matter. And do you think that if Baltimore were to pull a trigger on this deal or on a deal for Judon, that that third round pick would be the threshold where they'd say, all right? Or do you think that they would really have to get, you know, maybe a Frank Clark type deal, like a first and a third or a first and a fourth in order to really pull the trigger on a trade for Judon? I think that really, a th- like you mentioned, a third probably is the the bare minimum. And, th- and that's saying if they get no interest, they're not able to pit two teams against each other. Uh, that's kind of what my feeling would be on that one. Because again, you're, you're effectively saying the comp pick would be for the 2021, uh, NFL draft. The third round pick for, for a trade would arguably be for this draft. So you'd get it a year earlier and it wouldn't count against you in terms of the comp pick formula. So you could go out and go be buyers all day long. And if you lose some other guys, you're probably not going to lose a guy that's going to earn a third or a fourth round pick. Uh, maybe Michael Pierce, maybe, but they don't really have a lot of those guys that that are pending free agents this year that are going to earn huge deals. So it, it would make sense that a third round pick is there, but my guess is they go into it going, we want a first at the bare minimum a first. Uh, and then maybe they could be talked down to a third if things go absolutely terrible and, and Judon's uh, free agency value maybe isn't as high as they thought. But if that's the case, I, I think they'd probably maybe go back to the table and go, look, all we're getting is a third round pick for you. Uh, maybe come down on that salary that you think you you deserve, and they'll see what happens there. Yeah, and that's another key question for the Ravens is, you know, are they buyers or are they sellers? And I know they do want to capitalize on Lamar Jackson's rookie deal and having him before they really have to pay him his market value. Do you see this as the offseason where, you know, if you had to choose an offseason for the Ravens to really go all in for the Super Bowl, I mean, it seems like the blueprint is right there. You have a lot of guys on their rookie contracts, and we'll get into it a bit more in the third segment. But do you think this is a buy or is it a kind of rebuild through the draft and get one or two veterans? Veterans who can contribute at a relatively, you know, cheap price. Well, I, I think that's probably more it. I mean, you, you were so close. If you're Baltimore, you were so close to the Super Bowl uh, that really you have to feel like you have a good core there. You have you have a good team, but maybe you just need a, a pass rusher or two. More importantly, uh, maybe you need a little bit more depth at cornerback. If you don't feel like Tavon Young is going to come back 100, uh, percent maybe go ahead and, and switch out Tony Jefferson for Chuck Clark at safety. Maybe you add another wide receiver, that that possession veteran wide receiver that Baltimore has loved previously, uh, but it's kind of gotten away from in the last year or two in an effort to go with younger guys. I think you just add a few pieces here or there, and you try to go ahead and just get over the hump next year. But then you have a lot more cap space in 2021. Now, obviously, you've got you know Ronnie Stanley that you're going to have to sign in there. You've you've got some guys that uh, you know Marshall Yonda potentially is going to retire. Uh, if not this year, then then probably next year. So you've got a few guys that you're going to need to re-sign by then. But at the same time, I mean, according to over the cap, you got $97 million in cap space right now. And that's if you make no moves this offseason uh, to, to maybe cut some guys like Tony Jefferson and, and Brandon Carr. I, I think next year is really the year where you can see them be much larger buyers or, or, or go into that a lot harder. This offseason, I think they can go, look, if you want to ch- win a championship, come with us. Uh, and they might get some guys, some veteran guys who maybe are on the back half of their career that will come in for a little bit cheaper uh, to fill some starting roles. 
Yeah, I'm right there with you. And we're going to get into that a little bit more in the third segment as well. Talk about who the Ravens actually could target. But for now, we are going to go to break. And when we get back, we're going to be transitioning into the draft. And I'm going to ask you some questions about the draft there, Matthew. So let's stay tuned for that. And we will be right back. But before we do that... Blue Chew brings you the first chew up with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis so you know that they work. Blue Chew is subscribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package so no in-person doctors visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, I've got a special deal for our listeners. at BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free. When you use our special promo code LOCKEDON, just pay $5 in shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code LOCKEDON, and try it for free. Bluetooth is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring this podcast. Welcome back to the second segment of this Purple Friday Locked on Ravens episode. Kevin Ostreicher is still with you here with Matthew Stevens of Ravens Wire. And I mean, I guess I'll start right there in our Ravens Wire mock draft. I'll put a plug in there for us. We had four analysts and four defensive starters. Do you think that that's the most likely scenario for the Ravens going defense in the first round? Or could you see them maybe taking a wide receiver or even an interior offensive lineman in the first? Well, I, I think, you know, if we look at Baltimore's history, even under uh, both Eric DaCosta and under Ozzie Newsom, they really do go with what their board is. So if a running back is there and they feel that, that guy is not going to make it to the second round and he's head and shoulders above the next guy, they're going to take a running back. If it's a cornerback, they're going to take a cornerback. If it's a guard, they're going to take a guard. So trying to predict what Baltimore is going to do is really just a shot in the dark. And for all the mock drafts that we do, uh, granted, I think they're they're more toward giving fans a an, a preview of who could potentially be on Baltimore's radar. I, I'll be honest, I don't think I've ever been right prior to the draft. Uh, <laughs> so many things happen. So many, so many guys fall. So many trades happen. Those different types of things. But I do think Baltimore, the, the draft board that I've seen so far, really does seem to kind of lean toward those defensive guys are going to be there at the end of the first uh first round where Baltimore's picking at number 28. So you're, you're going to have the opportunity to grab a linebacker, an inside linebacker, an outside linebacker, maybe a defensive tackle or a defensive end if you if you feel good about those guys. Uh, and then wide receiver, just like you know the previous years, is pretty deep. So I think you can grab those guys in the second, third, fourth round where you, maybe you have few, uh, a few more picks and can afford to take a guy who maybe isn't as polished but is still really, really good Versus where those guys maybe you know four or five years ago would have been first round picks. You can find a guy in the third round that, that should have been a first round pick a few years ago. So I, I keep leaning toward defense just because that's really where Baltimore's biggest holes are right now, I think. But I, I mean, again, I've been shocked pretty much every year with who Baltimore has actually taken. So uh, it would not shock me a whole lot, I guess, at this point if they took a center or something. Yeah, that would be that would be the ultimate plot twist. But again, you know. Anything going to go with this Baltimore, you know, scouting room with the Baltimore front office, but they do a great job year in and year out. Regardless, they hit on, you know, mid round picks are their bread and butter, but you know, they've hit on some first round picks recently too. I mean, you talk about Lamar Jackson and Hollywood Brown, but let's talk about if the Ravens actually were to trade up for somebody. Now I know the Ravens don't want to surrender a lot of draft capital. If, if the possibility that they do trade up would be to come to fruition, but Eric DaCosta publicly came on record and said it was terrible not having a second round pick last year. So I know that might be out of the equation. 
But say there's a guy who the Ravens really like, who they might have top 10 on their draft board, who starts falling to 17, 18, 19, maybe even 20. Who are a couple players that you think the Ravens would trade up to nab if they were to fall into that range? I think the guy that that will end up rising a lot in the next uh, few months is Alabama uh, edge rusher Terrell Lewis. Uh, Everything that I've heard about him is he is a physical freak, just just built like a Greek god, can run, uh, can do a lot of really positive things, and then certainly comes from Alabama where Baltimore has a huge history of of scouting and uh, picking those guys at kind of every level. That's a guy that I think will will go, that, that eventually will be on a lot of top 10 spots, top 15 spots, and a lot of draft boards in this league. Uh, but I could also see him falling a little bit as well uh, come draft day as, as maybe guys and teams start going after some kind of more impact players like wide receivers or maybe even if a running back or two goes quarterback is certainly always a a prime position in the first round. So if a guy like Terrell Lewis, I think gets to 20, it would not shock me a whole lot if Baltimore pulls the trigger, tries to move up uh, and grab a guy that that could ultimately be a starter day one. Yeah, I'm right there with you. And I think that, you know, pass rush obviously is a key need, and Terrell Lewis would certainly fit that bill. But, you know, a, certainly a candidate to be a riser in the in the coming months here. But in terms of inside linebackers, there are a few guys such as Kenneth Murray, Troy Dye, Patrick Queen, even sleeper guys like Shaq Quarterman out of Miami. Do you see the Ravens filling this need through the draft with a guy in the early rounds like a Kenneth Murray or a Troy Dyer? Could you see them maybe going the veteran route because they had so many struggles with the inexperienced inside linebackers last season? Well, that's kind of an interesting thing. I, I think linebacker has really taken a huge transformation, inside linebacker that is, has taken a huge transformation over the last handful of years. You, you saw, obviously, some teams really value that with the New York Jets, given C.J. Mosley practically a, a, an entire bank worth of cash uh, to, to not play a whole lot this year. And Baltimore kind of just was like, all right, yeah, that'll work. We'll, we'll fill the void with some young guys that didn't end up working out. But they got guys effectively off the street in the middle of the season, and, and they played all right. So, you know, on one hand, I can kind of see Baltimore going, hey, let's let's never do that again. Don't like that. Let's get a guy that we know is going to be a starter for four or five years for us. And maybe they, they go for that early in the draft. Or if they find a guy you know, in free agency that is going to be that guy, maybe they're willing to, to pony up some cash for him. But at the same time, I, I've kind of had this debate over the last year or so that I think, and Baltimore proved it a little bit, I think you can get two or three okay guys to kind of fill an overall void. You can get a guy who's a great run stuffer who you can use on early downs. You can get a guy who maybe is a little bit more rangy and has that sideline to sideline speed that can be more of a cover guy. And you can move them in and out interchangeably as you need to, depending on packages. Uh, Certainly Baltimore ran a lot of dime and and stuff like that. So using a guy like Chuck Clark at at linebacker is also a good move. So a lot of it, I think really depends on, uh, you know, did, did Baltimore feel bitten by the fact they didn't have a, 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 solid starter there this this year and they had to go out in free agency or do they feel that they can get two or three of those cheaper guys and just kind of move them in and out my guess would be i i think you could probably go find two or three of those younger or those older guys that uh again you just you have them fit a role and you plug them and play them as you need to unless a guy drops into their laps in the draft and even then you give him a year or two to kind of learn the position, maybe maybe play with those veterans and see what happens uh, without having to push him into the starting lineup. But my guess would be 
maybe, maybe try to find those guys in free agency if at all possible because I think they're a much better value there than they are trying to draft someone in the first or second round and then ultimately losing them after four or five years. Yeah, and another position where the Ravens might address in free agency, but also definitely probably going to look at it through the draft. We talked about the wide receivers, and you mentioned that, you know, they could probably pull off getting one or two in the third or fourth round. Now, there are obviously the top flight receivers who are going to go in the first round, such as Jerry Judy, CeeDee Lamb, Henry Ruggs, and a bunch of other guys are kind of flowing in and out of the late first, early second round area. But who are some sleeper wide receivers who you could see Baltimore going after maybe in the third or fourth round? Uh, a guy that I uh, think I did, did really well in the senior bowl is Van Jefferson, um, a, a, an insane route runner, guy that has, uh, you know, a, a lot of different routes under his tool belt, which is something Baltimore has not really done exceptionally well with in the previous years. Maybe not the most athletic guy. Maybe he isn't going to win a ton of separation uh, it, it, just by being a freak, but is a guy who can catch the football, who can run good routes. He's a good size, six foot two, a little little shy of 200 pounds as of right now. I, that's a guy that I think could very well sit into the second, third, fourth round, but could be kind of that, uh, I, I don't want to say Anquan Bolden, but but be that type of a, a possession receiver for him that can just win by running really great routes. And as long as Lamar Jackson isn't throwing wildly off target, is pretty much going to catch what it, whatever comes his way for seven, eight, nine, ten yards which is kind of where Baltimore's offense is really missing that uh, outside of Willie Sneed on the inside. Yeah, I, there are so many different types of receivers in this draft. And it's, I mean, one of the deepest I've ever seen. I mean, you have six, six receivers, possession guys who might fall to the fourth, fifth rounds. And there are just so many different types. So I think the Ravens might actually draft two receivers here, you know, maybe one in the earlier rounds and then one right as the draft is maybe winding down just because there is going to be a lot of value in every single round in this draft. But we're going to go to break now. When we come back, we're going to be identifying the Ravens team needs and talk about where they could potentially sign people in free agency. So stay tuned for that and we will be right back. But before we do that, if you enjoy football and have a heartbeat, then you know what's coming. It's that time of year. Plan a party, get the snacks ready, and get your wagers locked in because the Super Bowl is finally here. My bookie features the most compelling lineup of Super Bowl props of any sports book in the business. The amount of betting options is simply unrivaled, and you can even visit mybookie.ag slash party now to access a principal prop sheet for the big game. If you deposit right now, the match or deposit halfway. That's basically free cash to throw down on your best bet. This will be your last chance to take advantage, so sign up now. Enter promo code LOCKDOWN when you make your deposit. That's promo code LOCKDOWN to give your bankroll a jump start. My bookie, play, win, and get paid. Welcome back to the final segment of this Locked on Ravens episode. Kevin Ostriker still with you here with Matthew Stevens of Ravens Wire. But before we get into more talk with Matthew, I really can't get over how amazing the football is from Nyko Sports. It's the best memorabilia to have, and it really commemorates the once-in-a-lifetime season from Lamar Jackson. Again, it has all the records that Lamar Jackson accomplished this season, such as his rushing record and the two perfect games he had. It also has two cool-looking pictures, one of Lamar running the football and one of Lamar throwing it, because, again, he is a quarterback after all. And some of the proceeds are being donated to the charity Ravens Foundation, 
They're a limited edition of only 5000 so you have to get them now. They're only $99, and they've been selling since the season ended, so call now at 1-800-345-2868. Again, that's 1-800-345-2868. You can also order online at nikosports.com. That's N-I-K-C-O sports.com. And mention the Locked On Podcast so they know that we sent you. And Matthew, I know we got into this a little bit when we last talked, but I mean, we can both identify the team needs for Baltimore, you know, outside linebacker, inside linebacker, there's receiver, there's potentially the interior offensive lineman, interior defensive lineman who can rush the passer. Out of all of those, and maybe even the ones that you have that I didn't mention, which one of those would you consider the biggest need for Baltimore to address in free agency? Well, I think as the roster stands right now, it's outside linebacker. They need a guy that can get after the quarterback, regardless if they re-sign Judon or not. Uh, They're going to need at least one other guy to kind of balance that out because they didn't win a lot of one-on-one matchups last year. Uh, And and even again, if they re-sign Matthew Judon, they saw him get a lot of double teams. They saw him really get boxed out a lot. Uh, So they need a guy that can kind of balance that on the other side. Now, that being said is, A lot of that really is going to depend on what happens with uh, Marshall Yonda. If Yonda decides to call it quits, Baltimore needs a starting right guard immediately, and they might not feel very confident in the guys they have on the roster, Bradley Bozeman, uh, potentially Patrick McCarry or or, or Matt Skura, if they want to move those guys around, uh, Ben Powers. They might not feel good with those guys coming in to replace a Hall of Famer. Uh, And and I certainly wouldn't uh, begrudge them for that feeling, if that happens and Yonda does decide to call it quits, that suddenly becomes their top priority. This is a run-first offense. They need to have a good interior offensive lineman that can help out both uh, Orlando Brown on the outside and whoever their center is going to be, either Skura or Makari. They need guys, a guy that can really go ahead and, and help out both sides, plus take care of his own duties. Uh, and that's that's a huge ask for for any player, but... That, that will suddenly become their top priority by a long shot if Yonda decides to call it quits. And you mentioned those two needs, too, which I think are also very, very important. But if Marshall Yonda does retire and Matthew Judon does leave, who are some outside guys that you can identify at those two positions who the Ravens might and should target? Well, you've got Clowney, I think, is going to be one of the, the kind of top priorities or the, or the top free agents uh, this offseason, outside linebacker. But... Kind of like I had mentioned with inside linebacker, I almost think that Baltimore is going to go into free agency and go, let's get that second tier guy. Let's get one or two of those guys. So that way, again, we have more balance. We can blitz from anywhere on the field, but let's get one or two of those guys that really can win some matchups one-on-one. Maybe not our our stars, but when tossed into a defense that can blitz really well, that that can disguise their coverages really well uh, and have two really solid cornerbacks, those guys will be good enough. Uh, kind of upgrading the position a little bit when you talk about the whole thing. So uh, a guy like Dante Fowler is is an option as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Shaq Barrett, depending on exactly how much he gets a lot of free agent interest this offseason, who knows? Those are kind of the top guys that I would expect Baltimore to be interested in, potentially even Bud Dupree if the Steelers don't franchise tag him. Uh, so th- there are a few guys out there that I think Baltimore could – eye up that are maybe the second tier guys, the guys that are, are not going to earn the 16, 17 million a year, like uh, uh, Clowney or potentially Matthew Judon will earn, but can still be regular contributors. Pernell McPhee might be a good option as well. 
And we also talked about the receivers a little bit when we last spoke and also in the last segment. But I do believe the Ravens receiver room is going to be looking a bit different next year again. And I mean, I can't remember the last time there was a lot of consistency within that Ravens receiver room. You can look back at guys like Michael Crabtree, Jeremy Macklin, Mike Wallace. But in terms of the Ravens bringing in veteran receivers, they have had some success. You talk about Steve Smith. Mike Wallace was a solid contributor for a couple of years. We talked about A.J. Green, Emmanuel Sanders, maybe even a Robbie Anderson. Do you think the Ravens might look at one of those guys and say, hey, you know, if the price is right, why don't you come on down to Baltimore? Or do you think they might be looking to maybe draft one or two receivers in the draft and maybe bring back a Seth Roberts? That's kind of my guess is, is the latter of what you said. I think that, that with the draft being so good this year for wide receivers, I don't think they have to go out and drop $10, 15000000 million on a wide receiver uh, that, that you know, may or may not be good in Baltimore's system. You know, there, there are some guys out there, Emmanuel Sanders, A.J. Green, uh, Amari Cooper, all those guys could be potential targets. But at the same time, again, I, I think there's no way those guys aren't going to earn uh, at least $13 million plus each a, a year. And that's going to be a lot to commit to a wide receiver who may or may not be a number one guy. Uh, and Baltimore has seemingly, over the years, gone for those second and third tier options in free agency while kind of maybe focusing more on the draft, uh, at least in the last few years, to get some guys that they can kind of bring up. And they've got Miles Boykin who can do a lot of those things and, and hopefully will take a step next year. They've got Hollywood Brown who who can be that kind of deep inside guy uh, or, or quick slot guy. Maybe bounce him out to the outside a little bit for, for the nine routes. But my guess is that's probably where they end up looking and then seeing if they just can't get a guy who is maybe on the back end of his career, but is a solid route runner and uh, a red zone threat that you can go, look, we're going to underpay you. Let's be real, but you're going to win a championship here. Uh, and hopefully they get a guy like that uh, that is interested and will take a few million less in an effort to play with Lamar Jackson. That would be my guess is they kind of really use Lamar Jackson and this offense as a, hey, you're going to want to play here. Uh, you're going to make $3 million less a year than you would if you go to Cleveland, but you have a better shot of winning here, and you get to play with an MVP. Yeah, selling the, selling the championship dream is something that's going to be key for the Ravens. But finally, Matthew, I do want to ask you about the interior on the defensive side of the ball, because obviously Michael Pierce is a free agent, and with Brandon Williams and Michael Pierce, that's a great one-two combination, but they don't get to the quarterback as much as the Ravens need them to. Do you think that Michael Pierce will be brought back by the Ravens, or do you think they might let him walk and maybe in his place they might bring in maybe a premier pass rush free agent from the inside, maybe such as a Chris Jones? See, this is such a tough one because I think it would ultimately depend on Baltimore's going to have to change their scheme if they want to get more of an inside pass rush from their defensive line. With a 3-4, you're typically not going to see it. Those guys almost all are run-stuffing, space-eating guys. Uh, that allow your linebackers to kind of do the job for you, uh, both inside and outside linebackers. So Baltimore would kind of almost have to change scheme in order to really focus in on that. Now, that being said is they have asked guys like Michael Pierce and Brandon Williams to get some interior pressure in, in the past and haven't really gotten it, as you mentioned. So I, I don't entirely know. But again, I, I don't think that Baltimore is going to be able to reliably ask those guys to do much regardless of who they get, as long as they're running a standard 3-4 defense uh, and doing a lot in dime coverage, they're really going to need to go ahead and bounce out from that. So as far as Pierce returning, 
that's really kind of a tough one. I mean, we saw with Brandon Williams that Baltimore certainly overpaid him given his production. Uh, they're not going to be all that eager to do that again. Williams' contract has really kind of bitten them the last few years and has been something that's kind of anchored down this this cap hit uh, or their, their salary cap for the last few years. I doubt they're going to want to give that type of money to him, but at the same time, a lot of it's really going to depend on what other defenses want to do and what his free agent market value ends up being. Uh, we kind of touched on it a little bit in a post on, on Ravens wire, but there's a huge fluctuation there. Pierce has shown some ability to get some inside pressure, but again, that's not really, really what Baltimore has ever asked him to do. So you don't entirely know if he can do it consistently or not. There could be a defense uh, out there or, or a team out there that goes, Hey, we think you can do that and we're willing to pay you for it. Or, with the emergence of the the run game again, could go. We just need a space eater, and and Michael Michael Pierce is absolutely the top free agent when it comes to that. So again, if if some defenses out there are going to be like, look, we just need to stop the run. That's what we care about. I could see Michael Pierce earning more and a starting role from another team where Baltimore might not necessarily give him uh, either one of those things in 2020. Yeah, so many unknowns, and with Michael Pierce being a very solid contributor and you know a little bit younger than Brandon Williams, it also brings up, you know, would Brandon Williams potentially get cut here in the offseason? But I don't think that's a realistic possibility at the moment. But, Matthew, that's all I have for you today. Thank you once again for coming on the show. And I'm glad to continue this offseason with you talking about potential Ravens things and then also seeing them unfold before our eyes. Absolutely, man. The combine is going to be huge this year with all these wide receivers and defensive players. So that's going to be a prime position for us to really focus in on. Definitely. I'm right there with you. We're going to take a two day break here on Locked on Ravens. But when we come back on Monday, we're going to be getting into all things Ravens and talk a little bit about the Super Bowl, too, of course. So stay tuned for that. And I will see you on Monday.